0: Welcome to the audio podcast of North River Church. You can find out more about North River and ways you can be involved at our website, gonorthriver.org. I want to invite you to go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Acts. We will pick up our series walking through this account of the early church on the move. We'll pick up this morning in Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, as you're making your way there, you ever noticed if you've been a believer for any length of time how the Christian life seems like a roller coaster? You ever notice that? You ever noticed that there are moments in our lives as believers where we feel like we are on the mountaintop, we have reached it, if we could just stay there, everything would be Wonderful. And yet then, for whatever reason, it seems like we turn and we begin to head back down into the valley. We begin to experience opposition and we wonder, gosh, could I just live on the mountain? Could I just live at that point? Then what, what do we do? How do we respond to that? How do we live out the mission that God has called us to live out, the great commission that Jesus gave to his disciples when he left them, as we saw back in Acts chapter 1, and promised to send the Holy Spirit that they would make disciples of all nations? How do we fulfill that mission while still experiencing? amazing moments in our lives as believers, and then opposition from our enemy who seeks to steal and kill and destroy. That is what we're going to see happen this morning in our text. As we came off of last week of just a strange but needed thing that happened in the early church to purify it, to push it forward in its mission. We're going to see God blessing His church. God richly pouring out His blessing on His people in the first part that we're going to read. But then we're going to see opposition come. And then we're going to see how the disciples respond. And I want to remind us this morning that Every single one of us who has trusted in Jesus as our Savior has experienced, first and foremost, the greatest blessing that we could have ever experienced. And in our lives as believers, we oftentimes experience God's incredible blessing on our lives, but we also experience opposition. And we have to ask ourselves, how do we respond? I want to read the text for us this morning, Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. We're going to go through the end of the chapter this morning. Let us hear from the word of the Lord. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is a party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, The men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care of what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thuidus rose, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, Keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them And charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. You would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together as we walk back through the scriptures this morning. When we experience the blessing of God, we should expect intense opposition from the enemy, and we should boldly resolve to fulfill God's mission. I want us to look this morning at the text as we look beginning at verses 12 through verse 16, and we see the incredible blessing of God on the early church. Verse 12 tells us that many signs and wonders were being done. There were amazing displays of God's power and God's work in the life of the early church. I mean, to the point that people are coming and being healed, and they're even bringing people so that when Peter walks down the road, the shadow from Peter may fall on the people laying in cots and they're being healed. Like, let's just be honest, that's pretty wild. I mean, that is an amazing display of God's power at work, an amazing display of God's blessing. And all the while, people are coming to faith in Jesus. As the early church is standing firm on the truth of who Jesus is and what He has done, what we're witnessing is people being confronted with the reality that they are sinners who are in need of a Savior. Peter has been proclaiming the gospel. The other disciples have been proclaiming the gospel, whether it was from house to house, as they say, or whether it was in the temple among a crowd. They were telling people, here is who Jesus Christ is. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross to save you from your sins if you will believe in Him. Place your faith and trust in Him. You can be forgiven of your sins and made right with God. As I told you earlier, we want people to know Jesus as their Savior. So every single week, we are preaching this same message. We're reminding everyone who gathers here that we are sinners who need to be saved from our sin. We're not pretty good people. We're really bad people who need a really good Savior. If you're here this morning and you've never taken the step of trusting in Jesus as your Savior, you have the opportunity to do that this morning. And what we're seeing happen in the early church is the gospel spreading and turning the world upside down. The political power structures that are in place are not happy with what's going on. The religious leaders of the day are looking and saying, our power is slipping away, and yet God is blessing His church. Now let's be all honest with one another. Wouldn't you want to just stay in verses 12 through 16? Wouldn't you just want to stay receiving the blessing of the Lord and just saying, gosh, this is amazing, I just want to stay here. I just want to stay on the mountain. I want to continue to witness this happen. I don't want to have any difficulty enter or into my life. Let me just stay on the mountain. It's interesting as we look back in Jesus' life and ministry that Peter, who we witness here preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, made that argument. On the mountain of transfiguration, you have Jesus and Moses and Elijah and Peter is there and Peter says, hey Jesus, let me just build houses for us and we stay here. Let's just stay on the mountain. Let's just stay experiencing your blessing. One of the things serving as a student pastor, witnessing even as a teenager myself, is the experience that you have when you go to camp. If you ever have gone to camp as a teenager and you've experienced God at work in your life, those are the moments where you just want to say, I just want to stay at camp. I don't want to have to go back home. I don't want to have to go back to school. I just want to live there. We experience the blessing of God in our lives. at some point where we sometimes want to say, I just want to stay there. Like just being honest with you as a pastor from the announcement that we made last week of receiving a million dollar grant. Like I want to live last Sunday. Like every week. Somebody asked me coming in this morning, hey, what announcement do you have for us? I got nothing. But it's amazing for us. That life is not meant to be lived on the mountain. We're seeing incredible things happen in the life of the early church, and yet opposition comes. We're going to see play out in verses 17 through verse 42, really a back and forth play out. You're going to see it listed out on the screen this morning. You're going to see that there are several verses where we see that there is incredible opposition that comes against the early church, and then we're going to see the disciples respond to that and say, no, we are resolved, we are going to stand firm on the mission that God has called us to fulfill. And then we see, back up to that Opposition come once again, and then we see their resolve once again, and then we see opposition again, and then we see their resolve again. We're seeing that back and forth play out. And I want to remind us this morning that we have an enemy whose sole objective is to try and thwart everything that God is doing now sometimes we can look and ask the question why do we walk through difficulties why does the early church experience these things and we need to be reminded we can't stick our head in the sand and experience the blessing of God and not think that there is a spiritual battle that's taking place that Satan and his demons are doing everything that they can to thwart God's plan and God's purposes to distract us from fulfilling the mission that God has called us to do. The good news is they're already defeated, but they're still working just as hard as they can. And we said this morning that When we experience the blessing of God, we should expect intense opposition from the enemy. Let's look at what that looks like in the early church. Verse 17 through verse 18. The high priest rose up, all who were with him. It's a party of the Sadducees. They were filled with jealousy. Poke the bear here real quick. They were filled with jealousy because God wasn't blessing what they were doing because they weren't following God. They were filled with jealousy. So they arrested the apostles and they put them in the public prison. Opposition. And though there are human actors at play, we can be a Certain that there's a spiritual battle that is taking place in this moment where the disciples are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're seeing God's incredible blessing, and the religious leaders of the day say, whoa, 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 we don't want this to happen. Our power, our influence is going away because of what God is doing here, and so let's take these people and let's put them in prison. Opposition. I want you to notice their resolve on the back end of it. Verse 19, during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors. Ha. How about that? Brought them out, notice verse 20, and said, run to Mexico. <laughs> but I mean, isn't that kind of what we're thinking? Now here's what the angel says, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. When they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. So let's, let's just walk back through it again. They're experiencing the blessing of God and then the opposition comes and puts them in prison and locks them up and an angel of the lord opens the prison doors and says you got to fulfill the mission you got to fulfill the mission and they do it they don't run from it they don't say hey hang on just a second you know you like we were in prison right they don't say well just um, let us kind of catch our breath for a bit. See, here's the thing that I thought a lot about this past week. We experience, as a church family, God's incredible blessing. We should expect opposition. We are kidding ourselves if we think that after what God has done in the life of North River Church, that the enemy has not said, let's redouble our efforts and try to bring chaos. You say, well, what would that look like? Well, it could look like for us disunity. Disunity. I mean, what better way to break up what God is doing in the life of North River Church than to sow chaos in the midst of it? For us to maybe even begin looking and saying, well, you know, I mean, church just got a million dollars. Maybe I don't need to give to the building fund like I have been. I mean, they got money. Maybe for us, we look and we say, well, We've got money, so maybe we don't need to be as urgent about the mission that God has given us to fulfill. And as I've said all along, church, our goal, our objective is not to build a building. I'm excited for that day to come. I'm excited to move in over there. I'm excited for what God's going to do through that tool. But the objective has always been a tool to reach people for Jesus. That's what God has called us to do. So as we experience opposition, an easy thing for us to do is to shrink back and to say, well, I'm just going to kind of take some time off. I don't want to get too aggressive. I don't want to give too much. I don't want to experience this opposition any longer. But that's not what the early disciples did. The angel of the Lord let them out of prison and said, go and stand in the temple and preach The gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the opposition that comes again as a response to that. Second part of verse 21, When the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought out. The officers came. They did not find them in the prison. So they returned and they reported, We found the prison securely locked. The guards were standing at the doors, but when we opened them, there was nobody inside. The captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words. They were greatly perplexed about them. They were wondering what this would come to. Verse 25, Someone came to them and said, Look! The men that you put in prison are standing in the temple and they are teaching the people. The captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them saying, "We strictly charge you not to teach in this name." And yet here you have filled Jerusalem With your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. The opposition comes once again. Finds them in the temple. Grabs them and pulls them in to a business meeting. And says, listen. We thought we were pretty clear with you. We thought you understood what we said. Let's just remind you once again. Disciples, you are not to preach in this name anymore. I want you to notice the bold resolve once again to fulfill the mission of God. Verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The mission of God is more urgent than anything else in Peter's mind. I mean, let's be honest, at this point, he's experienced God's blessing. He has witnessed all that God has done. And he says, listen, Jesus gave us this mission to fulfill of making disciples of all nations. I'm going to fulfill this mission. Regardless of what may come, regardless of being thrown in prison, regardless of being dragged in front of the religious leaders of the day and scolded and chastised and told, you can no longer preach in the name of Jesus. Peter says, I got to obey God rather than you. And here's why I want you to notice this. I want you to notice what Peter does there. Peter preaches the gospel to them. (laughs) Do you notice that? They say, you can't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. Peter says, watch me. Let me tell you about this Jesus. Let me tell you why we must obey God rather than men. We have to because God raised Jesus from the dead. And we are witnesses of the risen Savior. And He has given us a mission to fulfill. And it doesn't matter what you may do, we are going to fulfill the mission that God has given us. May ask us the same question, church. Is that our mindset? Is that our mindset as a church collectively? And then is that our mindset individually as believers? How committed are we to fulfill the mission that God has given us? How intentional are we being to fulfill the mission that God has given us? When we experience opposition, when we see people who say, I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear you talk about Jesus. I'm tired of it. Or when maybe we shrink back at moments of fear and doubt and thinking, maybe I don't have the right words to share. Maybe I don't have the answers to all the questions. Maybe if I actually say something about Jesus, someone is going to do something to me that's not going to be pleasant. In those moments, are we resolved? Are we committed? To fulfill the mission that God has called us to fulfill. Regardless of what may happen to us. You see, the reality is that every single one of us are placed in positions every single week in front of people that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and given the opportunity to share with them the hope that we found in Jesus and in those moments, every single week, Satan is doing everything he can to knock us off course, to cause doubt, to bring fear, to try to get the conversation to turn in a different way, to say maybe you know, they know what you're like, maybe you're not really a good Christian. Maybe if you share this with them, they're not going to want to interact with you anymore. Maybe you're going to lose a friendship as a result of this. Whatever that may be, the question sits before us this morning. Are we committed to fulfill the mission that God has called us to fulfill? You see, I'm convinced this morning that if we will take seriously the mission that God has given us to fulfill, if we will be intentional and bold and resolved to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will witness men and women and boys and girls come to faith in Jesus as Savior. And church, that's why we're here. We're not here for any other reason than to be Those who are at the front lines in this world in which we live proclaiming that there's hope available in Jesus. I want to challenge you this morning as you think about that, as you think about those people who are in your life. I want to ask you to commit to pray for them over the course of this week. And to take the opportunity to boldly share the hope that you found In Jesus Christ with them. See in this moment Peter had an option. That option was to say I'm not going to risk my life for the gospel. And what Peter says is my life is the gospel. And I'm going to proclaim the truth of who Jesus is. Notice with me in verse 33, we see once again the opposition from the enemy. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. It's always a good place to start, right? Peter has just said to them, I'm not going to obey you. I'm going to obey God because God raised Jesus from the dead. I think he wins. They're enraged by that. I want you to notice verse 34, a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to his colleagues, men of Israel, take care of what you are about to do with these men. He says, guys, let's take a step back from trying to kill them and let's think about this for a little bit. He brings up two different people. Two different people who had claimed to be the Messiah. Two different people who had developed a following. And he recounts their stories. He says, you remember these two different guys. Both of them claimed to be the Messiah. Both of them had followings. And both of them died and their followers scattered. He says, if that's all that's going on here with Peter and the other disciples. Just give it a little bit of time. People get excited about things. People get fired up about things. I mean, it's February the 23rd. New Year's resolutions are out the door at this point, right? They get excited, and then it just kind of fizzles out. He says, listen, just hold off a bit. Let's see if this thing is going to fizzle out. He said, but here's the problem. He says, if it's of God, verse 39, you will not be able to overthrow them. Gamaliel says, listen, if it's not of God, it'll die out. But hang on just a second, guys. If this is of God, if we've missed the boat, if we've lost sight of what God is actually doing, we will find ourselves fighting against God. What's interesting is when you fast forward just a few chapters and you see Saul, who would become the Apostle Paul, that's exactly the same type of language that's used. Jesus meets him on the Damascus Road and says, Why, Saul, are you persecuting me? Why are you fighting against me? Verse 40, they called the apostles together. They beat them and charged them once again not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Notice again, the bold resolve to fulfill the mission that God had called them to fulfill. Then they, that's the disciples, left the presence of the council. Underline the next word. Rejoicing. They had been imprisoned, they had been drugged in front of the religious leaders' court of the day, they had been chastised, they had been scolded, they had been beaten, they had been told once again, do not proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ ever again. They leave rejoicing. Notice why. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. The name of Jesus. He said, listen, if Jesus endured what He endured on the cross for us, what's a little bit of imprisonment? What's being scolded by the religious leaders? What's being beaten when our savior bled and died for us on a roman cross they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name verse 42 and every day not just sunday every day in the temple where they were just arrested And from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ, that's the Messiah, is Jesus. Regardless of what it would cost them, and what we know in church history is that for the disciples... Every single one of them, it would cost them their lives to follow Jesus. But regardless of the cost, they were willing to stand firm and fulfill the mission that God had called them to fulfill. And for us, church... There are a lot of things that can distract us and deter us from fulfilling the mission of God in our lives. We can grow comfortable and we can grow complacent. We can be fearful and we can be scared. But I want to remind us this morning that we worship a risen Savior. Regardless of what opposition may come. God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus Christ secured for us the victory over sin and over death and over hell and the grave. Regardless of what may come, we as believers stand victorious in Christ. Even if we lose our lives, we gain An eternal reward. Our enemy who is seeking to kill and to steal and destroy in our lives is not a winner. When we read the end of the book, he is defeated. He is cast away for all eternity. He cannot stand opposed to God and it not go unchecked. For us as believers as our identity is in Christ as we are seeking to fulfill the mission that God has given us to fulfill the guarantee for us is that God will build his church Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church we Fulfilled the mission of God because it's transformed our lives, and we know that it will transform others' lives. When the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, when it's shared from house to house, when it's shared in our workplaces, people come to faith in Christ, we stand victorious. The mission will be fulfilled. The beautiful picture is that we have a small, small part to play in God doing what He's promised to do. Regardless of the opposition, may we be faithful to fulfill the mission that God has called us to fulfill. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather this morning to celebrate once again the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To be reminded of all that Christ has done for us that we worship a risen Savior this morning if we have trusted in Jesus for salvation. Father, that the mission that you've called us to fulfill is a mission that will be accomplished. There is no doubt. And yet you invite us to participate with you. To be faithful to do what you've called us to do. So God, give us the boldness. Give us the courage. Give us the words. As we are scattered out in this community this week, as we interact with people that don't know Jesus as their Savior, would you give us opportunity and give us the words to share with them the hope that we ourselves have found in salvation through Jesus Christ? Father, if there's one who is here this morning, and I have absolutely no doubt that there is, who has never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ as their Savior, Father, would you give them the courage this morning to take that step? They've been trying to live life on their own. They've been trying to be good. And the reality is that we cannot be good enough. We need a Savior who is perfect, who can save us from our sins. And the only one is Jesus. Would you help them this morning to place their faith and trust in Him for salvation, to receive the free gift that's offered today to them. Father, use this time as we sing to stir our hearts once again, to give us a boldness to fulfill the mission you've called us to fulfill like the early church did. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.